Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. How are we? Good. Good to see everyone here this morning. Good night. Has anybody fell to the floor yet? Right? Yes, I see that. My hand. Uh, good to see y'all this morning. We're going to be in Third John, only one chapter there. You guys uh, can follow along. Third John, uh, chapter number one, verse number two. And uh, everybody back in school, feeling good about it. Most of you are. We're feeling really good about it at our house. Genesis chapter two. I'm sorry, Third John chapter number 1, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be good in health as it goes well with your soul. And for some of you, that says, as it goes well with your spirit. This morning, I want to just talk to you for a little bit about how's the inside of you. Because as to the degree it goes well with your soul, as to the degree many times that your body and your attitude and everything about you goes well. We have these exchanges every week around here, and I'm the biggest uh, proponent of them because I am the outreach pastor here. So I get, to, I get to greet each one of you, and I get to come around, and I smile big smiles, and I say usually, how are you? How's life? How's it going? And most of the time I get fine, just fine, right? Uh, I, I see a lady at the bank every week, and, and I, I know her, and she, I ask her every single week, how you doing? And she goes, which answer do you want, right? Which answer do you want? Because we all tend to play the game at, where it becomes white noise and elevator music, right? Uh, but John, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, says, you're only as well as your core. See, what we know about everything that matters starts inside you. Following Jesus is first and foremost an internal operation. Jesus will say things like, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And what Jesus is saying many times for us is that if you hoard your own life, it's not a fair trade. Money is not a fair trade for your soul, right? Sex is not a fair trade for your soul. Power is not a fair trade for your soul. And Jesus says these things. So I'll ask you again. How are you on the inside? How's your core? How's your heart? How's your soul? Now, I'm not asking about your finances. I'm not asking about your health, your career goals, your agenda. Has anyone ever looked on the inside of you deep into your core and said, are you okay? Because if God is changing us from the inside out, as the Bible indicates, we are only as well as our spirit. 
Because the Bible tends to emphasize the inside more than the outside, right? It emphasizes the inside, the core of us, more than the shell of us. So we ask all the time in our lives and in our culture, how do we get healthy? How do we get whole, healthy, and happy? And we know that the bookstores that are still around, they offer a huge section. The biggest section in the store is self-help. How to be whole, healthy, and happy. But what do I do to get healthy on the inside? That's what I want to explore today. I've lost 32 pounds. I I literally put this shirt on this morning because I used to fit it. I really did not know how much it swallowed me till this morning. Um, but I will tell you, I'm, I'm walking three to five miles a day. I'm, I'm eating a whole lot less. Uh, but I don't like working out. Can I get a witness? Sue me. I, I've, no pain, no gain. How about this? No pain, no pain. Right? I love Fruit Loops. Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. Steak. Bacon. And Bluebell Ice Cream. Which we all know will be served in heaven by God. Right? But it's confused as I am about how to be healthy on the outside, how confused are we about being healthy on the inside? Is all that is within you healthy? We know how to live from outside to outside. We know how to do surface, yes? We have relationships like that all the time. We know how to live from outside to the inside. We know how to wear masks and put on our masks, and we wear these good masks, and no one can know what is really happening from the inside. But biblically, The Bible indicates that God is building us from the inside out. So if your question today is, how do I get healthy on the inside? I hope you've come to the right place. It's it's really simple, but not easy. This is the outline. Uh, We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Genesis 2, verse number 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being, a living person. So what we have at the beginning of time, we're still a church that believes that God created the heavens and the earth. We're still a church that believes that God created man and woman, that he created everything But in this particular section of Scripture, it it shows us how intricately involved God was in our makeup, that that he created us with purpose and intentionality. And this is why we know that we are loved by God, because, because we have dignity, value, and worth. You notice that Adam is a form before God breathes life into him. You have hips, lips, and fingertips, right? And then God breathes into him life. That God's breath is the essential characteristic of the human soul. That we are at the center of God's creation. We are the centerpiece of God's creation. It's not your dog. It's not dolphins. It's not whales. It's definitely not your cat. 
But it is that God has given us his borrowed breath. This is why we take considerable care as communities of faith in Jesus. For the dignity and the preservation of human life. Because it's that we house the borrowed breath of God. So many show up here every week wondering if they have any value, if you have any worth, if you have any purpose. But can I just tell you, God indicates that you and I on the inside have the borrowed breath of God. Now, environments matter, How, where we grow up. We could go with nature and nurture. We won't go into all that. But the environment in which God created for Adam was pretty significant in his well-being. I want you to see it in verse 8. He says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, as you see in verses 8 and 9, where he was living and breathing, the first description of the Garden of Eden, you see the very first thing that God does, he wanted us to see that the habitat that he had placed Adam in was that there were things that were good to look at. They were beautiful, and there was delicious food, right, to eat. And it looked good to to the sight. And in this was the fact that God is allowing Adam to dwell in the place that he put him to enjoy it. So my my question to you on this journey is, on the inside of you, are you enjoying the good that God has given you? On the inside of you, how healthy is your soul? Are you breathing and living and resting and all that is good that God has given you? How are you enjoying your Christian life today? Because if I was to be honest with you, we don't tend to enjoy life. Now, when I get around Christians, they go one of two ways, right? Usually very pessimistic or very optimistic. Right? We, we get around Globally, the Christians that are in this world, and many of us are cynical and negative and pessimistic, and we're the life of the party, man. Not not so much. Things are so bad. And we're no more for being very serious and not so much about breathing and living and resting and positive and smiling and laughing and playing. And most of us are like, no, I'm just a realist. No. You're a pessimist. And the thing about life is that God set it up so that we could enjoy all the good that he has given us. Are you enjoying life? Because the first description of man's placement environment is that of an enjoyment and rest. Now, if you get a shot to go through the, our holy text, you'll find it, that there is a paramount part of the story is learning to breathe and live and rest in God. In fact, the, the first thing that you'll notice about the nation that he adopted, that the nation that he claimed, uh, the Israelites, he claimed them, and then he gave them some commands. And the very first one he gives them is that of rest. 
you notice that? It's rest. And that, that they should take what is called the Sabbath, and what was required of you is that you do nothing, zero activity. That sounds cool, right? Like, we, that's not the way we live life. But it's carried over into the New Testament in this. That you're not required so much as to take a day and just rest. Your rest is found in our Sabbath, Jesus. In the New Testament, Jesus will say this. In Matthew 11, he'll say, uh, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, right? And I will give you, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden I give you is light. Jesus will talk this way because he's trying to get us to understand there's something about enjoying life while resting in him. Does this sound like your life? I can tell you for most Christ followers, I run into not so much. You need rest first because God is first. You do. You need rest first because God is first. Well, that is a great comment, but what does it mean? It means this. When you rest, you recognize that he does not. When you rest and close your eyes, his do not. When you take a break from your busy schedule and breathe and enjoy God and the world he set up for you, did you know that the world keeps spinning? When you take a break and rest, he never, he never sleeps and he never slumbers. When we rest, we recognize that God is in control and he is sovereign. To rest well is to trust God well. Most Christians, our souls, our spirits, our hearts are restless. We don't tend to guard them very well. We have a lot of heartache and a lot of restless souls in this place. The deal is this. If you, if you have a restless soul this morning, then you need to, this will clarify it for you, that you need to understand that you are the captain of your ship. You're the commander of your destiny. You need to take control of your soul and you're an issue because you're having to be a control freak. But resting in God, a resting soul is a trusting soul. A soul that says, God, you're in charge. You're in control. You're omnipresent. You're omniscient. You are all-powerful. You are faithful. You are in control. I give you my life. I build rest into my life. If you decide today I'm going to breathe, I'm going to breathe the breath that God gave me. And I'm going to rest, and I'm going to trust, and I'm going to enjoy life because he never ceases. He is faithful. And just get real practical real quick. God has given you a life to live that has meant to be enjoyed and is specific and purposed for you. When was the last time that you took a walk and you just enjoyed the beauty and the display 
of the works of his hands? When's the last time that you got with a group of friends and you took them out to dinner and you enjoyed building rest and a lifestyle of trust by exhaling and enjoying the creation that God has given you? When's the last time that you built margin into your life because you know he is faithful? You know that if you would enjoy and rest in God, that you can trust him. Can I get an amen? So I want you to put it down. Down at the bottom, I'm going to ask you to just put a, a, a one through ten. One being the best, ten being the worst. Is that usually the case or ten being the best? Ten. Okay, let's go with ten being the best, one being the worst. How would the world look like if everybody rested like you do? Action steps for next steps. If everybody rested like you do, what would the world look like? Rest reveals trust. God, I trust you. The second thing he got was that he understood that God had called him to do something. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the garden to tend, of Eden to tend and watch over it. The second thing that God called Adam to do for a healthy inside was to work, to serve, to have responsibility, to give himself to a J-O-B. Right? Give yourself to your job because it's significant to your soul. Your job is a blessing. You know, there's so much joblessness in this generation, right? The fact that you even have a job is a blessing. And ladies, if they don't have a J-O-B, they don't need to be with me. I don't mean me. I don't mean me, you. Right? But the Bible says... The fact is that God gave you a job. The Bible says whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Even if it seems insignificant to you, if it's not earth-shattering or earth-moving, God has given you a job. Embrace Monday morning at 1045 because God cares about it. Everybody's working for the weekend. No, not us. It's good for your soul to have a good job. Monday morning at 1045 matters to God. I don't know how many of you, you post on, right? Monday, on Facebook. Monday stinks. Monday, right? It's just, but God gave you a job. And it's good for you. And it's good for your soul. Colossians 3 says this, that whatever... You are willing, whatever you do, as though you're working for the Lord rather than for... Ultimately, you're working for who? Well, you're working for God. So do you show up to work to work as unto the Lord? Because God is serious about us working and working harder and smarter than the next guy or gal so that we can provide for our families well. But it also leads you to serve. It leads you to be serving God in some capacity. Are you serving well? Are you serving well somewhere inside the four walls of this church for people who need you to do it? Who benefits most from serving, church? Servant or served? Servant or served? What's been proven? It's the servant. It has. You are blessed when you serve. That it thrills your soul when you love God 
You love others, and from the inside out, you serve both. God has given you a shape, speaking of health. But he's given you a shape on the inside of you, and it's spelled S-H-A-P-E. Shape is spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit's power. He has given all of you Christ followers a spiritual gift to be used, or gifts, to be used to serve others well. He's also given you a heart. That means he's given you a passion for something to serve well in. He's given you abilities and talents so that you might use those abilities and talents for the glory of God and to serve others well. You have a personality, and some of you have personalities with a capital P, and some of you not so much. But whatever your personality God has given you, he has given it to you so that you might serve. And lastly, he's given you experiences. All of your experiences, all the things that you've been through, the troubles, the trials, the heartaches, the, the great things that God has done in your life are to be used for his glory and the good of others. Where are you serving? Life happens, don't it? Sickness and loss and career and schedules and death and sports and dance and margins are filled up and all of a sudden we're not intentional about serving and it just be, kind of begins to fade. It's a slow fade for most of us. But all of us go through it one time or another. But Jesus say this again. I, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to hoard his life and neither should his people. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul if he should hoard his whole life for the things of this world and lose his own soul? Are you building well in your soul, working hard, serving well? Because it's good, it's good for your heart. It's good for your insides, your soul. One to ten, if everybody in the world worked or served like you do, what would this world or church look like? What would it look like if everybody worked like you do and had an attitude about their work like you do? What would the workplace look like for everyone? If everybody served in this church like you serve in this church, what would the kingdom of God look like? The third thing he said in verses 16 and 17, to be well or healthy inside. But the Lord God God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now remember... Uh, laying this down when I was in college we had five colleges in our town and we would go preach at different colleges and inevitably we'd have somebody come up to who was very intense and say why would God put this tree in the garden and it's just ridiculous it makes no sense and I would look at him and say the intense guy I'd say look hey I, I, that's a great question, but what you need to understand, what you need to see is don't be a negative Nelly about this. You can eat of every tree of the garden but one. Look at all the permissions before the restrictions. This is indicative of our God. He is a God of grace. When I was a kid, I remember being explained like this. Yes, 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 yes. No. Why, God? Right? That's a lot of us. 
All we can think about is the no. All we can think about is the restriction. But you need to understand that every time that Adam walked past that tree and said no, it was good for his soul. Boundaries are healthy. It was good for him. It was good for his inner man. And it also preserved the integrity of love, doesn't it? If God just gave you no option, all he gave you was yeses, right? Then you would be a robot and the command would go, you must love the Lord your God because I only gave you yeses. And you are a robot to only love me. No, you, you get a choice. Do you love me? Then God says, show me in my love language by obeying me. Yes? And every time he passed that tree, he said, no, it's good for him. Every time he passed it, are, love, are boundaries loving, yes or no? Yes. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And the six-year-old boy has been trained and trained and trained. You have three yards to play in. My neighbors don't know it, but they have three yards. And they play in these three yards, but if the ball gets out into the street, because they want to play out in the street, you got three yards to play in, a lot of permission. One restriction, don't run in the street. My six-year-old has been trained and trained and trained. Don't run after the ball into the street or you're squished just like grape, right? But the four-year-old doesn't care about the boundary. All she cares about is the ball. And if I run out and I see her about to go into the street and I scream, No! And I scoop her up and I save her life. Am I a good dad or bad dad? Good dad or bad dad? Oh, I'm a good daddy. I'm a good daddy. When you understand the father heart of God, that his commands are to protect and bless you, that he wants you to be more like Jesus, then you want to do them. They're not a have to any longer. They're a want to. When is the last time you said no to your soul? When is the last time you said no when you could have said yes, but you said no? No. No means no. Hey, no. <laughs> Something as simple as social media. A job. A job offer. A relationship you shouldn't be in. An attitude that you have. I'm going to say no to that. A TV show. A video game. Dessert. Buying another... Tell yourself no. God, by His power, the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you, those of you that know, love, and follow Jesus, He will help you say no. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, so, because some of this is not sin, right? Like some of those I, I named are not sin. But God, will, by Paul's authorship, He will say, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are good for me. Not all things are beneficial for me. Saying no, it's good for your soul. That's a no right now. That's good for your heart. So put a number on it. What would it look like if everybody obeyed out of love of God like I do? What would the world look like right now? What does your world look like right now because of your willingness to say no? I know there are rebels out there. I know you rebels. I see you. I'm going to live how I'm going to live by my own rules. Boys will be boys. I'm just telling you right now, I tell my kids this all the time. You want, you want to live your life outside of boundaries and do what you want to do. You are not a rebel. 
you are living like 75 to 80 percent of the rest of the world. You want to rebel? Fall in love with Jesus. You want to live like Jesus lived, serve like Jesus served, obey Jesus, rest in Jesus, give like Jesus gave. Very few are doing that. If you want to be a rebel, love Jesus. Lastly, is relationships. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be, what? Alone. Relationships are good for your heart, aren't they? You know, we're more cut off than we have ever been. We really are. We don't think we are, but we are. We started out with houses and locks and fences and moats around our houses with alligators and most of you that have those kind of things, it's because you don't like people very much, right? But what we have trended towards, we've trended towards filling the void with social media, right? Or uh, porn or emails and texts and Craigslist. I mean, it's, you, just, you just name it. We're trying to fill the void with all kinds of things, thinking that this will bring us the, the, the relationships that we need. But right here is the first time in the Bible it said it's not good. Adam had a lot of pets, but no best friend. And I want you to see how intricately God was involved in giving Adam a best friend. He made the woe man, right? And he gave her to him. And this is this great example of, of, of a relationship that God invested in Adam deeply, in Eve deeply. Because obviously when you have a spouse, and some of you have and have or don't have right now, but you're on your way, it, there, there is a commingling of souls, right? One plus one in God's economy equals one. The two shall become one flesh. So it's really neat that when God gives this thing of a spouse, that your closest neighbor is your spouse. You're to love the Lord God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love, second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your closest neighbor? Well, if you're, you're married, your spouse. But as we move into ever-widening circles, we allow access to our lives. We invite invest into other people's lives and we're hoping that as we invest that they're kind and they're generous and they're truthful and they confront us and they care for us and they affirm us. The fruit of your lips, the way you talk about people most often reveals the love level of your heart. Do you have friendships where you say, I love you, do you know how much you mean to me? Do you know that I love you? I get, I get in trouble all the time. People are like, you just say it way too much. It's ridiculous. And I'm like, I love you. I love you guys. When is the last time you invested so much into key relationships, people that know you, you knew them, and only a few people can share your soul 
with you. Some of you need to get in the car today. You need to get on the phone today and directly connect with that friend that has changed the condition of your heart. And tell them. Just tell them. Encourage them. You helped change my life. You helped change the condition of my heart. And there are relationships in this place that, listen, my hope is that you find relationships in this place that you connect to that can hold you accountable. We do this in connection groups. We do this, we're signing up last day, today. Don't even have to make the announcement. They're right out here. You need to get with a group of people who will be in your business. You are your brother's keeper. You are. Nobody needs to be in my business. Yes, they do if you're a Christ follower. Do you have anybody that you're connecting with that you can have bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? The law of Christ is what? The life of love? My hope is that you and I become more like Jesus, not less. Amen? To become more like Jesus, I need to love well. And you can't live well unless you love well. You just can't. You cannot live well unless you love well. That is the life that Christ left us to live. What did he say? You will know them by their love one for another. True or not? It's true. So put a number on it. Take that next step. How do you love people? I know some of you don't like them. God has asked us to have a group of people that we connect with and that we love. How do you love the unlovable? If everybody loved like you love, how would this world look? How would it look? Now, everything in this message is meaningless, pointless, gets absolutely no traction unless now some of you understand i just read out of genesis 2 and in that genesis 2 in that context there is no sin yet did you notice it there's no sin in the the context of what we read none no guilt no shame no sin and what most people try to do to fill the void of an unhealthy inside, self-help, education, technology, sexology, ed- reformation, legislation. Right? I, we, we try everything to get to a healthy soul, to get to a healthy heart. But the information I gave you this morning will mean absolutely nothing. Unless, unless you have a relationship with the one who gave you breath and life in your body. What you need this morning is righteousness. For some of you this morning, you need righteousness. That's what you need. You need to be made right with the one who gave you breath and life. 
And ultimately, the most important relationship that we can have that is the best thing that could happen to our soul is a relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? If you want to rest well, to rest well while you work, to work and it not be about a have to, but a want to, to obey God, to learn to say no to your soul and have meaningful relationships, you have to build, build that house on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Period. So the best thing that could happen to you is that you understand all of us at one time were far from God. All of us need a relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because he's righteous and I'm not. And the only way to be made right with God is to have God's righteousness. The Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If you want to be made right with God this morning, you've got to accept the death burial and resurrection of Jesus that he died on the cross for your sins that your sin was so heinous that God himself had to die for you and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day to prove he was God and that he could give you a brand new life a brand new heart are you with me and for all of us that know those things we know that he has given us the opportunity to have new life. That we have his righteousness and by a relationship with him, we can be made right with the God of the universe. Do you know Jesus? Because it's the most important relationship. If you want a healthy soul, you got to know him. You got to love him. You got to follow him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? No one's looking. What we know this morning is that some of you, hopefully, some of you want to make a decision that you need to get healthy on the inside. You've been very confused about it. You're in a low place, and God today is approaching you, just saying, hey, let me tell you how you can rest. Let me tell you how you can work well with a different attitude. We tell you how you can tell yourself no in your soul and it'll be healthy for you. Let me show you how you can have vital relationships that will build into your life. This life that is to be lived is to be enjoyed. And God wants you to have that shot today. Jesus said, I came to give life and life to the fullest. If you need a relationship with Jesus Christ today, may I encourage you right after this service is over, we don't want you to leave this place without knowing that you know that you have a relationship with the God of the universe, that it is well with your spirit, with your soul, because you have made the trade for this world, for this life, for Jesus's life. And what he has done for you is all that is necessary for you to have a friendship with God, to be connected to God. You go to room 203 today, and there'll be a group of people in there called the Connection Team who would love to sit down with you and show you 
if, from God's word how you can exactly have a relationship with Jesus. For those of you that may be hurting, you're going through the stuff and say, man, it's, it's not well with my soul. Would today be the day that you go and you talk to somebody about it? You can see me after service. You can see one of the staff after services, Pastor Paul. One of us guys would love to take you and help you. Is it well with your soul? Are you healthy on the inside? Father, we come to you this morning knowing you have given us the opportunity to enjoy life. That you have came through your son Jesus to restore and redeem all that we have broken so that we might live a life fully. May we realize that. May we walk out of here, tell somebody we love them. Tell somebody I need to be well in my soul and I need to understand what that looks like. That we would live the brand new life that Jesus always intended us to live. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all the people said,